The story goes that Jean-François Le Sueur was not quite sure what to make of Beethoven's Fifth. Le Sueur was a dramatic composer, a specialist in oratorios and operas, and the Parisian taste for such fare had persisted from the reign of Louis XVI through the Revolution, through Napoleon, through the Restoration. For audiences suddenly to be whipped into a frenzy by instrumental music, as they were in 1828 when a new series of orchestral concerts brought Paris its first sustained dose of Beethoven symphonies, was something curious. Le Sœur, nearing 70, was too refined to fulminate, but he kept a respectful distance from the novelties. That is, until one of his students, an up-and-coming enfant terrible named Hector Berlioz, dragged his teacher to a performance of Beethoven's Symphony No. 5. Berlioz later recalled Le Sœur's post-concert reaction. Oof! I'm going outside. I need some air. It's unbelievable. Wonderful! It so moved and disturbed me and turned me upside down that when I came out of my box and went to put on my hat, for a moment, I didn't know where my head was. Alas, in retrospect, it was too much of a shock. At his lesson the next day, Le Sœur cautioned Berlioz that, all the same, that sort of music should not be written. That story from the study, The First Four Notes, by Matthew Guerrieri, helping us to understand the disorienting power of the first four notes and all that follows in Beethoven's Symphony No. 5 when the work was heard in the early 19th century in Paris. Guerrieri ends his book with hearing Beethoven on the radio and what the German philosopher Adorno called radio symphonies, a kind of souvenir of Beethoven's fifth, rather than the real thing. We're hearing a bit of Beethoven's Symphony No. 5 on the radio right now, but happily we'll have a chance to hear what Adorno would call the real thing this Saturday as the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic performs an all-Beethoven concert Saturday, March 12th at 8 p.m. at the Kirby Center for the Creative Arts on the campus of Wyoming Seminary in Kingston, just across the river from Wilkes-Barre, under the leadership of music director and conductor Melis Brunet, and featuring guest soloist Fei-Fei Dong in Beethoven's Emperor Concerto. We had a chance to speak by phone with Melis Brunet about this long-awaited concert performance. There was an anniversary two years ago, Beethoven's anniversary, but COVID decided differently. So we have postponed that anniversary and it's coming up and it's going to be so a concert that's called Celebrating Beethoven. And we will feature the Overture Egmont by Beethoven, uh, the Emperor Concerto and Beethoven Fifth after the intermission. Beethoven is maybe my favorite composer. I, I have really a special um, attraction to his music. And what's funny is that I won the position of assistant conductor with the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic. And it was with Beethoven's Seventh Symphony since 2015. I, I feel a very, very special connection to Beethoven's music. And it's going to be featuring Fei Fei Dong at the piano. We are very much looking forward to this concert because, you know, it's going to be our first Masterworks concert since 2020, actually. Not even it's since the fall of 2019, because since then we only have had Pops concert. How do you do rehearsals in COVID time? Does everyone wear masks except when it's time to play? 
How does that work in terms of logistics? Yes, this is indeed a very good question because the orchestra is an environment where musicians need to blow in their instruments and COVID goes through the air. So we are following strict guidelines as our orchestra is unionized. And the guidelines are basically that everybody needs to be masked on stage during the rehearsal and the concert unless you're playing a wind instrument and then you can unmask when you are playing, but mask again when you are not playing. So when you have soloists, like people who came to our concert, they could see that our soloist singers were masked for the entirety of the concert as well, of course. I was also unmasked so I could talk to the audience. However, for for this performance, I have decided to go masked because I will have been traveling and I don't want to put anyone at risk. So I will uh, do this performance masked. But yes, so these are our rules. And Melis, for you as a conductor, how much is lost if you are wearing a mask in terms of those nuances that you want to communicate to the players? Yeah, this is a big challenge because, as you know, uh, for the, the conductor um, transfers a lot of the music and the emotions through the face, the facial expressions, uh, the eyes. So at least we can see my eyes, you know, but all the face is mostly masked. So that adds a layer of complexity to the job. But I would say, like, the musicians here know me well, you know, because I've been working here since 2015 and... It's not as if I was guest conducting. I was guest conducting an orchestra in West Virginia a month ago, and I had to do it masked, and that was much harder because I generally don't work with them, you know. So it made everything harder. Here the musicians know me well. I know them well. And, of course, that requires for me to be probably extra expressive and extra clear. So some things that generally you can read on your face, they will need to read it differently. So it, it brings some creativity. Uh, for the audience, it doesn't change anything because they just see my back. <laughs> so it's all the same. And now, of course, the music itself. Is there something that gives this particular choice of pieces, Egmont and Emperor and Symphony Number no. 5, some sort of resonance between and among the pieces, a sense of power or the way that Beethoven may express the notion or energy of power? Yes, absolutely. I think you, you you pointed here that there is that sense of power, but, you know, not a negative power. Often when we say power, we can also imagine that someone is going to exacerbate that power on other people. But here there is a sense of human natural power and a power, in the case of Beethoven and those species, for justice and for fairness and for equality. And there is a very healthy power that is against tyranny as well, you know, against all those things that he really despised. And I find that they are very much present in all of those species, as well as those species showcase huge creativity for the time they were written in terms of their form, in terms of their concept, in terms of their themes and realization through the instrumentation. So it's definitely a very, very powerfully emotional concert. Uh, You know, Beethoven was a very entire person, and that's probably what is really attractive in him. 
he he said what he thought, you know, and he was living the life he wanted to live. And that requires always a lot of strength. And I would say that in this program, in all of these species, that's the common point, the power of each individual, the positive power that we all have in us and we can seek and decide to live. Let's just look at the Emperor Concerto for a moment. And it is a big, long concerto, and we always like to ask how it is that you all sustain something from the first note to the end and take us with you in many ways, perhaps sometimes a conversation with the pianist. Would you call it a journey? Absolutely. You know, that's what is fascinating uh, with Beethoven, uh, and not only the Emperor Concerto, but with Egmont. This is a journey. You know, the story of Egmont, and we can feel even when the head is cut in the music, you know, this is a journey. Then there is the Emperor Concerto, as you mentioned, is very long and requires a lot of endurance and lead in terms of going through the story and what is happening. And that is done through the chamber music and collaboration with the pianist, because, you know, the pianist comes with her interpretation on which... She has been spending weeks and years of her life. And then we come together to create that very unique to her story, the orchestra story, my story. We we are in communion to create this story for our audience. That's going to be very unique. And you know, it's it's not something difficult for us musicians to do. It's what we love to do, to share stories and to share our passion with the audience. And for us, it's something, it's like drinking water, we need that. Uh, we need to be able to do that. That's mode we, are, we know since we are kids and teenagers because we all started playing very early. We know how to get into that spirit, into that place in our body and in our mind and to find the endurance and the strength to say that story with the m- most beautiful feelings we have in us. It's definitely draining and exhausting because you give you give of yourself, you know, your job is your body and, and brain and everything you give is yourself. So, yes, it's definitely exhausting, but it's what we live for because we love it and we need it. And sometimes we find here when we play Symphony Number no. 5 on the radio that so much attention by listeners is given to the opening that <laughs> they miss the good stuff that comes after that. How do you bring us along after we've heard that opening? Yes, so the good thing is that we hear that motif a lot in the entire symphony, so if you stay until the end, you will keep hearing the motif of the beginning. And and it's a journey, you know, he's telling a story in this symphony. It's not uh, like in other symphonies where you have the first movement that's going to be disconnected from all the other movements, but here... He's telling us a story of, you can read it however you want, but how I read it is how much he's had to suffer in his daily life at a personal level, a bit him finding, you know, someone to live with, or a bit him being so deeply frustrated with the politicians and tyranny and him wanting to be performed as an artist and still have to deal with a lot of patrons that we're not always wanting to help him. So there is all of that, that, that uh, beginning, that anger, frustration, and at the same time a huge power. And that ends, and that goes through the journey of a second movement, 
that is absolutely gorgeous, one of the best second movements in terms of melody and transformation of the melody. And the third movement going into the fourth movement are so unique and it ends in blossoming of all of these negativity that was eventually present at the beginning in, in blossoming of this is my power. I am not ashamed of who I am. I'm, I'm handling it beautifully. This is my life. This is who I am. You take it, you leave it. I don't care. This is me. And if you miss that, that's too bad because we want to see that transformation, you know? It's like if you go to a movie and you have that fantastic first scene, you know, like, but if you don't stay until the end, you don't know what was that first scene for and what it brings. And you're missing out in terms of emotion and connecting all of this energy to how it resolves or not resolves at the end. This would seem to be the kind of experience we should all have together. We can hear it at home on great speakers and come to terms with it in that way. But imagine having that experience of taking that journey with Beethoven from the anger at the front and working through to the blossoming. And we're all in that together, each one of us having a profound experience and at the same time being together and recognizing the common humanity we share. Absolutely, yeah. You you said it beautifully because this concert is, is, is a communion of the energy of all the people who come. And that's a very unique experience. You cannot really get that anywhere else, that kind of high-level experience of going through a long, long, long journey together and feel the energy. Because when you go to a movie, it's recorded. You don't have the actors in front of you. But when you go to this concert, the celebration of Beethoven, celebrating Beethoven, you have a group of extremely talented people really giving everything they've got, sharing everything they know and all the energy they have for the community. And that, everybody, we are animals. We feel it. You know, we feel that. And that really helps us being a group, being together and healing from so many things or feel things together, you know. With the power of classical music, live classical music is real. And that experience, I really encourage everyone to to come, show up, and just sit down, enjoy, and feel all vibes and emotion as a group. Melis Brunet music director and conductor of the Northeastern Pennsylvania Philharmonic, speaking with us about a program titled Celebrating Beethoven, a program that will open with the Egmont Overture of Beethoven, continue with the Emperor Concerto featuring guest pianist Fei-Fei Dong. After intermission, it's Symphony Number no. 5. The concert will take place Saturday, March 12th at 8 p.m., at the Kirby Center for the Creative Arts on the campus of Wyoming Seminary in Kingston. For more information, on the web, n-e-p-a-p-h-i-l dot org, n-e-p-a-p-h-i-l dot org. Celebrating Beethoven, Beethoven's 250th birthday, a delayed celebration because of the pandemic, but now more meaningful than ever, perhaps. 
It's Beethoven's Egmont Overture, the Emperor Concerto, and Beethoven's Symphony No. 5, the guest pianist, Fei-Fei Dong, Saturday, this Saturday, March 12th at 8 p.m. on the campus of Wyoming Seminary in Kingston, just across the river from Wilkes-Barre. It's the Kirby Center for Creative Arts, and Melisse Bourronnet will conduct. For more information, nepaphil.org.